1: Welcome once again, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays to you. Live from Philadelphia. We're not really live, but here in Philadelphia, and I trust you, I am alive, John Manuel of Baseball America, along with Aaron Fit. Aaron, Happy New Year, and uh, welcome to Philadelphia. I'm not from Philadelphia.
2: It's a pleasure to be here, John, always uh, at this convention, which is uh, such a great gathering of... of- so many of the important figures in college baseball uh, all in one place, and, and everyone, I think, uh, here to talk about some important issues. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think this thing got off to a pretty good start today.
1: Yeah, it did. We'll do a quick explanation. It's a, the first college podcast of the year here at Baseball America. We'll do a quick explanation of what the ABCA convention is. It's the American Baseball Coaches Association, and it's, a you know, just a really a meeting place for it's a There's a trade show. You know, people can show off the you know, Nike and Reebok can show off their clothes and their uh, – Sweat wicking, they're, they're water uh, moisture wicking clothing uh, off to the, uh, to the coaches and all kinds of goofy equipment, all kinds of useful equipment, you know, metal wood bats and all kinds of goofy stuff like that. But there are also a lot of meetings that go on. Uh, it's really the only time that coaches gather nationally. If you're a college basketball fan, you know that the College Basketball Coaches Association meets at the Final Four every year. So that's when the college basketball coaches meet. It would be awesome if college baseball did that in Omaha every year. That would be the natural place. But instead, they rotate every year, and this year it's in Philadelphia for the first time. Not quite the same, Aaron, as when it's in San Diego, but um, you know our, our favorite venue. But uh, a lot of things discussed already, Aaron, and obviously college baseball, a whole lot of changes in college baseball uh, this year. All those have been uh, chronicled on Baseball America's college blog over at baseballamerica.com. Aaron I guess the, uh, the the biggest thing is that tonight was the Division 1 uh, coaches meeting There's a general meeting for all Division 1 baseball coaches who are at the convention and who are ABCA members. I believe Dave Kylitz, head of the ABCA said there were 236 coaches in Division 1 who are members, head coaches who are members of the ABCA. So 236 out of 285 and a very strong turnout and a pretty uh, long and uh, a very interesting Division One coaches meeting tonight uh, where the anticipation leading up to it was that this was going to be an eventful meeting, and instead it was an informative meeting, but it was not eventful, and uh, contrary to to belief going in, the fur did not fly.
2: Yeah, you know, I think, uh, like you said, going into this meeting, a lot of coaches were speculating that uh, there was going to be some controversy, there was going to be some some raised voices and some people voicing some dissent uh, with the new legislation, which we've uh, written about, I think ad nauseum on the website, um, all about the uh, the new, the, the main issue is, is the scholarship changes. Right. Um, there's there's going to be a, a cap on the, uh, the rosters at 35, and there's going to be a cap on the number of scholarship players at uh, 27. Eventually it's going to start at 30 and then go down to 27. And, and of course most controversially I yeah, think the, the, the cap on or the minimum scholarship threshold at 25 percent so those were the the key issues and, and there's a lot of um, mixed opinion on those issues but uh, I really thought tonight that, that Dave Kylitz uh, took control of this meeting from the beginning you know I think he set the tone right at the very beginning when he when he told the people staying in the back of the room you know either sit down or, or leave right, right, right there he established hey I'm in charge of this thing. Uh, I'm Dave Kylitz. Uh, you know, you guys have been listening to me for a long time here, and you need to continue listening to me and and, and the other people who are who are in leadership positions in the ABCA and in the college baseball coaching community, um, who are who are doing a good job, I think, on the whole. And and it, it's so difficult, I think, because it's it's hard to get a, a consensus in college baseball because it's such a fractured group. Uh, just naturally, with the, right. the the geographic differences and the uh, differences in the number of scholarships that that people have in different parts of the country and uh, it 's hard to get everybody on the same page and, and I think that Dave does uh, as good a job as anyone could uh, trying to to build unity among this group as much as possible and you know he understands that it 's never going to be possible to make everybody happy. Um, But uh, I think tonight some people were able to uh, voice their their concerns respectfully. I thought Jack Leggett of Clemson in particular got up there and and expressed his his disappointment um, with the way that uh, the the minimum scholarship threshold was, was implemented. He thinks that coaches should be able to... Um, be creative with the with the scholarships among a 35 man roster cap, for example. Um, and he, I think, he voiced that respectfully, and, and Dave uh, let him, you know, speak his mind. And, and I think everyone uh, uh, benefited from the meeting.
1: Yeah, I mean, you hit on a great point. Really, the opposition to anything in college baseball these days has been uh, in the last 15 years is voiced by Ron Polk and uh, the coach at Mississippi State. And unfortunately, Ron Polk has wasted a lot of political capital over the years railing against Title IX. A pretty losing battle. While you can, I think it's into, you could definitely argue that baseball gets uh, the short end from the NCAA. College baseball gets the short end from the NCAA. And I've written that column and I've talked about that. We've talked about that on podcasts, even. And Ron Polk makes that point, but he's blamed it all on Title IX, and that's just kind of ridiculous. And you know, Ron's wasted the uh, stature that he should have. With college presidents, of being a veteran college coach, who's coached at three different places, who's taken three different programs to Omaha, uh, who's coached a lot of big leaguers, who red shirts a lot of players, who have, whose players have great GPAs, he should have great credibility with college administrators. Instead, he does not, because he's uh, basically throws a lot of Molotov cocktails around, uh, in these in uh, these memos, these letters he sends, and he wrote a 19-page letter in the fall railing against these changes. Instead, Jack Leggett, who's a veteran coach who coached in Vermont, who coached at Western Carolina, now coaches at Clemson and has for some time about 16 years now at Clemson, who's got two former assistants as head coaches, three actually: John Pulaski down at College of Charleston, Tim Corbin at Vanderbilt, now Kevin O'Sullivan down in Florida. Um, so you've got Jack Jack Leggett's a big time coach. He hasn't won in Omaha. He's a very similar resume actually to Jack to uh, Ron Polk, but he was uh, articulate. He was impassioned tonight, but he was respectful. And his dissent, and uh, uh, that was helpful. I thought the meeting, you know, Ray Tanner, Elliot Ava, and other coaches spoke up, um, and, and I thought it was a very constructive meeting. But the uh, basic point is uh, that Dave Kyles made is look, these changes are here to stay. And I almost think, Aaron, because college baseball is so fragmented, because it's fragmented geographically, there is not one single person who can stand and speak for what might be a disaffected majority or minority. Uh, Right now, I really feel there is a significant minority of college coaches who feel a little bit disaffected, and that the ABCA did not represent them. But that's basically the stronger schools, the stronger programs, and they're in the minority, and uh, that's why they're the ones who Jack Leggett was speaking for when he said, I don't like being told how to run my program. I don't like being told how to spend my money. Uh, And He was talking about the NCAA and those scholarship minimums, that you have to spend a player, you can't give a player a 5% or a 10% scholarship a book scholarship, you have to give them 25% or you give them nothing. And uh, I think Jack makes a lot of good points, but the NCAA really doesn't seem like it's listening. I think that Dave Kylitz and other coaches have made those good points before, and they weren't able to, you know, and the NCAA just isn't listening. Uh, it's very difficult uh, to get a good feel for uh, for the sport of college baseball if you're a college administrator, it seems.
2: And, you know, I, I think a lot of these changes would be a lot more palatable to, to people like Jack Leggett and, and other uh, coaches at those power schools if they were accompanied by an increase in the number of scholarships from right. 11.7. And that is something that uh, Dave Kylitz addressed tonight and said that um, it was something he was hoping would be included in this whole reform package. And he was told that now wasn't the time to do that. But there is some momentum for this. And uh, he hinted at this a little bit last year and he was a little bit yep. more specific, I think, this year when he said that uh, uh, if, if these... Academic reforms are successful, and, and progress is made with the APR and these kinds of measures. Um, that he, he's been given indications that there there will be traction. I think for raising the scholarship limit to or the scholarship amount to fourteen or so, um, and that's something that not you know not all of the coaching community supports because, as Dave pointed out tonight, more than half of the schools out there. Uh, you know, are not fully funded. They have right. less than eleven point seven scholarships already, so it would it would seemingly put them further behind the eight ball if you allow the power schools to get up to fourteen. So, uh, uh, but I, but I do think, nonetheless, that that would be um, a change that uh, would be in the best interest of the sport as a whole, um, and I think that it would uh, it would it would assu- assuage some of the concerns I think that some of the power schools have, and and the fact of the matter is, I don't think college baseball should be making decisions um, based on what's best for the schools who haven't made full commitments to baseball right um, great you know point. if you don't have if you haven't if your school hasn't committed 11.7 scholarships maybe they should before you know before we start looking out for for what's in your best interest
1: that's a great point
2: especially where you know there's a lot of schools making money at college baseball and, and, and those are the schools that uh, I think would stand to benefit from from going to 14
1: I, I just think that's a fantastic point Aaron because we uh by the way, we're watching the uh, Iowa caucus returns come in. A thrilling evening for a couple of politic uh, ner- nerds like uh, politics nerds like me and Aaron. So, uh, watching uh, Barack Obama now. Congratulations mm-hmm. to Mike Huckabee, and Barack Obama tonight in Iowa with their victories. Uh, I'm dating myself if you're da- downloading this later, but it's a Baseball America podcast, not a uh, CNN podcast. Here, John Manuel, Aaron fit in Philadelphia, not covering the Iowa caucuses, covering the ABCA convention. Uh, and, and, you know, again, you have to have followed, I think, a lot of uh, these rules changes to really follow along with what we're talking about. But it, it was an interesting meeting, pretty packed house early on, but that was just it turned out for the rules. A couple of rules changes in college baseball this year. The main one I think that the average fan will be interested in is that they're going to try to crack down on guys leaning in to get hit by a pitch, uh, taking a dose, the West Coast <laughs> style of baseball. We should have asked George Horton about that. Oregon coach George Horton in the house. Uh, George helped perfect that at Cal State, Florida, and, And then, of course, it was used against him, Dave Serrano, uh, UC Irvine, the pupil, outwitting the teacher, uh, getting uh, guys taking a dose with Irvine this year in Omaha.
2: And I think that was a a big, big uh, motivation for this this change was that one game, that Cal State Fullerton-UC Irvine game in Omaha, where Horton actually got ejected for arguing that that Taylor Holiday leaned into a pitch in in a crucial extra-inning situation um, and Taylor Holiday later admitted that he did, in fact, lean into the pitch. That's what he was coached to do. <laughs> and so uh, I think that you're now going to see a greater emphasis um, on this. Uh, players Now, players will still be allowed to, to stay put. I mean, if they freeze, they're still going to be allowed to take first base. Right. Uh, but you can no longer dive out over the plate and try to get hit by a pitch. Uh, they're going to crack down on that stuff this year.
1: I think we're going to call that a Taylor Holiday rule. It really just be called the, the George Horton rule. George is who really taught everybody that, so... We love George, and uh, now, but he'll figure out another way to get his guys on base. Uh, with now that they're Ducks instead of Titans, but uh, I wrote a story on the growing trend and hit by pitches in Omaha for the Caldwell Series program about four years ago, and uh, the trend has just accelerated each of the last couple of years. So it was about time that it changed. But you really do get a sense of how much power ESPN has with college baseball. They've changed the when the uh, college, when the super regionals are done. They've changed. Now when the Cowboy Series starts, it'll start on a Saturday, not on a Friday. They're changing the schedule so they can have more weekday night games because those are for TV, TV ratings. Uh, TV ratings, Larry Templeton, the Division I Baseball Committee Chairman, said as much tonight. Uh, they want to have sufficient lighting <coughs> it Will be uh, for, for super regional hosts to accommodate ESPN television. Uh, these are some of the changes they talked about. We're still efforting to get information from the NCAA they talked about at the meeting tonight, the profits, the profitability of the tournament, and also they talked about uh, the increased TV ratings, but they did not have solid numbers at the meeting tonight. So that was disappointing. We're looking to get those numbers from the NCAA. A couple other things, though, Aaron, that did come up that were interesting. Uh, There was an NCAA representative there talking for the first time that I have ever heard at one of these conventions. I've been going, uh, I missed a couple, but for the most part, I've gone to most of these since 1998, but a gentleman there talking about Uh, agents and college baseball, and this is a significant concern. It came up in December at the meeting, the story you've already written about, at the winter meetings where the 30 major league scouting directors already have their annual meeting at the winter meetings, and they brought in 10 to 12 college baseball coaches plus Dave Kylitz uh, to talk to the scouting directors about issues, and one of the big concerns is agents and the pervasive influence agents have, basically coaching players, steering players to colleges, uh, steering players of summer leagues, coaching players when they're professionals. Um, you know, it's it's a, it's a problem that I don't think anyone in baseball, college coaches, or on the pro side are very happy with the situation right now. And uh, so that was being addressed. That, the fact that was addressed for the first time uh, was newsworthy to me. You have one conference that's proposing to reduce the number of games to 50 games a year. It doesn't sound like that proposal has a whole lot of traction, yeah. but the fact that it's even out there I think is uh, surprising. Uh, so... Uh, there, there, are a few, uh, there are a few news items out there, but I guess the biggest <laughs> one I want to make sure we touched on here, uh, I saved for last, is Denny Pope, the director of baseball operations for the NCAA, talking about the future of the Cowboys series in Omaha. And it sounds like Omaha is going to remain the home of the Cowboys series, which it should in perpetuity in my, in my mind. If I'd ever written a Futurama episode, uh, I would have written about the Cowboys series and its 2000th edition or whatever in Omaha. Uh, I don't know how many years in the future was Futurama. I don't know. Uh, if it was an idiocracy 500 years out, 560 years out, you could have had uh, some some idiots uh, playing college baseball in Omaha still. As long as it's still in Omaha, I'm okay with it. But there really does seem to be, it sounds like, Aaron, quite a bit of momentum to replace Johnny Rosenblatt Stadium with a new College World Series-only stadium in downtown Omaha, which I don't know what they would do with the rest of the year. But a separate ballpark would probably be built for the Omaha Royals, nay, Golden Spikes, nay, Royals. And they're back to being Royals again. But I don't know what your feelings are on that. Uh, I I, I can finish with my feelings. You've been to Omaha here three years in a row now. What do do you feel about – what are your feelings on Johnny Rosenblatt Stadium and the possibility of it – and it sounds like now the probability of it being replaced?
2: Well, first of all, I just wanted to backtrack for a second here. Um, I I think that – you know, they were talking about maybe making a little bit of noise about exploring other venues, but I don't think that was ever really any any serious consideration had, not. about, about leaving. Well, leaving Omaha, that is. Um, I mean, I think there was a story um, back in June about Indianapolis maybe being interested. I think that was just kind of a ploy. I thought it was pretty transparent. Agree. Actually, but uh, I personally, I think they should they should try to keep it keep it at Rosenblatt. I'd love to see Rosenblatt renovated. I mean, in the, in the uh, in the Fenway Park kind of a mold. Uh, Fenway Park 10 years ago was was really a, a not a very great good place to watch a, a baseball game. It was kind of a dump. Um, and, I, and, I, and I say that as a Red Sox fan. But if you go there now, it's you know it's still old, and, and it still shows its age here and there, but it's a terrific place to watch a game, and uh, they've made a lot of upgrades. And I haven't looked at the numbers and the specific proposals, of course. I don't know how feasible it would be to give uh, Rosenblatt the kind of facelift that maybe would be required. Um, but that's what uh, certainly the sentiment, sentimentalist me would like to see. Um, and, I, and, I, and, you know, I don't think Rosenblatt is in such terrible shape just on the surface. Um, you know, I, they've, they've done upgrades over the years. I mean, uh, Danny Pope said today that they, they put $40 million in just since 1992 in, in, up, in upgrading mm-hmm. the place. So um, I understand that uh, they're going to do what's, what's in the best interest of the event. Um, I, I would like to see it remain in Rosenblatt somehow. I think it's a terrific venue. I think it has a lot of history, but it's not just the history. It's a really good place to watch baseball.
1: Yeah, I think that's the main thing is that uh, you look, you you see it on TV and you instantly know that it's Rosenblatt. You know, you see Dodger Stadium on TV TV here and you instantly know it's Dodger Stadium. You you, you look, you watch a game and you see Fenway Park, and you instantly know it's Fenway Park, Wrigley Field, Yankee Stadium. You know, even Camden Yards. Uh, you know, some of the newer ballparks. Kinda of almost the same as you know PNC Park in Pittsburgh is instantly recognizable. I think that's one of the things that makes PNC Park a great ballpark, uh, and, and, and 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 that's something that you, Rosenblatt has and it has history. Um, I would hate to see Rosenblatt go. Uh, I, I really don't understand. Uh, yeah, I think th- this and and this is why I want to wrap up with this is to me the desire to replace Rosenblatt Stadium goes with an earlier conversation we had with a couple of coaches who will remain nameless when we talked about all the college baseball changes. The championship is making money. The NCAA is making money off college baseball for the first time since 1998. 1998, people who've, who have probably read this from me, for, if they've followed my coverage of college baseball or they've heard me talk about this for years, 1998 college baseball was in horrible shape. You had a tournament that lost almost a quarter of a million dollars. You had a 48-team tournament. You had play-in games. You had a 21-14 national championship game. You had the bats going out of control. They were out of control, Jerry. 1999, it all changed. The bats got fixed. It was a difficult process, but the bats became a lot more tame. The NCAA tournament expanded to 64 teams. You had the uh, uh, beginning of Super Regionals. You had this wonderful, thrilling round of actual two out of three Real baseball, not some meat grinder regional, but real two out of three, two teams on sixteen campuses around the country, extra week of exposure. The super regionals are the best thing that's ever happened to college baseball. And all all thirty conferences getting an automatic bid now because you had sixty four team tournament. And on top of all that, you had uh, the College World Series, and that the NCAA tournament going from a lo- money loser to a significant money maker instantly. tournament, you snap your fingers, you go from a quarter of a million dollar loss to a two million dollar profit. So now, you've got, since 1999, this very profitable tournament. I think the NCAA does not want to, A, they don't want to mess with it, because the tournament's a good thing for them, and two, now they say, hey, we can make even more money off this thing. So I think, as long as the tournament's making money, the NCAA does not worry about the other problems that college baseball has. And that's why... I think the NCAA has not had effective leadership that reflects what college baseball coaches want with respect to these academic progress reports, academic reform. They've ignored what the college baseball coaches want because they're going to do what they want. You know, Jack Leggett mentioned this is not democracy. He mentioned that during his speech at the meeting tonight, and I, thought, I almost laughed. Has he never heard the phrase that academia is the last fashion of fascism? I mean, American uh, – there's no democracy on a college campus. Period. What the who, what the administrators on the college campus want, they get. Period. There's no democracy there. So that was kind of laughable for Jack to say that. Um, and but, but on top of all of it, again, I think the desire to build a new Rosenblatt Stadium is all about the NCAAs making money off college baseball, and they just want to make more money off it. And for them, that, mean, that does not mean that the individual 285 schools, that means the championship level. So if a new Rosenblatt Stadium does that, they're all for it. Sentimental, sentimentality be damned, I don't think that that is really what the NCAA is ever about. They're about the greenbacks, about money, and a new stadium in downtown Omaha with, with luxury boxes and all these kind of things would bring in more revenue, plain and simple.
2: I think you hit the nail on the head, but I wanted to make one more uh, point quickly here. Um, and you'll be able to read more about this uh, in the coming weeks on BaseballAmerica.com and in the issue, um, but I uh, uh, all this stuff is not finalized. Right. Um, uh, Denny Pope said today there, there, there were two proposed downtown sites for a new uh, stadium solely for the College World Series, uh, and then there was a, another proposal that, that it involves revamping Rosenblatt or the, or the current site, and uh, and they hope to have a decision by the, the College World Series in two thousand eight. So we've got a few months here yet to go, um, you know, and, and I think Denny Pope. If you read between the lines, he seems like he favors building a new downtown stadium, um, and he certainly holds a lot of sway. But uh, I don't know how other people feel about that. I mean, I, I know that most of the the heavyweight coaches you talk to, uh, like Wayne Graham, for example, comes to mind, um, love Rosenblatt and are, are big proponents of of keeping Rosenblatt as the site, but. How much influence do they really have when it comes down to it? When you talking about the NCAA championships right. uh, and, and, and battling the greenback, as you put it, mm-hmm. I don't think they have an awful lot of influence. So we'll see what happens. Um, I, I, I still hope that, that Rosenblatt remains the site, um, but I think you're right. It will come down to the almighty dollar.
1: I believe, uh, I believe I'm making myself a 19th century reference there by saying it's all about the greenbacks. I believe in the 20th century and here in the early 21st century, we'd say all about the Benjamins. <laughs> but uh, I decided to go uh, all 1873 on you. Well, you as a grant reference there for whatever reason. But, uh, yeah, I, do, I think that's what it's all about, and it's unfortunate, but I think that's where the NCA is headed. And it's going to be a sad day. Unless they uh, unless they you know, name it Dado Field or some such, uh, you know, that they, they won't dissuade me. Uh, I'll be very disappointed to see Rosenblatt Stadium go. And maybe I'm being premature and saying that's the that way it's headed, Aaron, but I really thought the way Denny Pope was talking about it tonight that the NCAA is on its way to a new and, in their minds, more profitable uh, home for the College Series. At least the home will remain in Omaha. I wonder if maybe there'll be a transitional stage where if they're tearing down Rosenblatt and building a new ballpark downtown, or maybe they'd be they'd play not in Omaha, but that would uh, that would also be a Travis and mockery. So let's hope that doesn't uh, come to pass. We have got plenty more coming up on BaseballAmerica.com this year, and when it comes to college baseball. I don't think that uh, anybody covers college baseball remotely like we do at Baseball America because we have a passion for the players, and we have a passion for who wins. We care who wins, and we care who the good players are, and we care who gets drafted. We also care about uh, who sponsors this podcast, and that is DeMarini, uh, Wilson DeMarini. More than 150 programs, including the back-to-back Division I and Division Two national champions, Oregon State, the O-State Ballas, and University of Tampa Spartans, have switched to the DeMarini power system. You can log on to DeMarini.com backslash D to check out their interactive roster of the current DeMarini teams. I'm looking at a map in the latest edition of Baseball America, and there are Ds all over the freaking country uh, that are DeMarini schools. And we will be hopefully bringing you a podcast with one of those DeMarini coaches. More importantly, he is the two-time defending national championship coach of the O-State Ballers of Oregon State. Pat Casey, he'll be giving a brief uh, clinic tomorrow here at the ABCA. Oh, yeah, there are clinics at the ABCA, the convention. You come here and you can learn how to be a better coach. But uh, we'll try to grab Pat Casey tomorrow morning after his, um, after his clinic presentation. But uh, we thank Dean Marini for their sponsorship of Baseball America's uh, online chats for college baseball and for the podcast. Aaron, you're chatting tomorrow, are you not?
2: I am chatting 1 o'clock Eastern time on BaseballAmerica.com.
1: That'll be what, uh, Friday, January the 4th, correct? No, January 5th. I guess it's January, no, whatever. It's (laughs) Friday, and uh, that's when uh, Aaron will be chatting, January the 4th. So this is, uh, we're on Thursday, January 3rd. We thank you for your patience with us for this late night from Philadelphia podcast. Congratulations again to Mike Huckabee and Barack Obama, winners in the the Iowa caucuses. We're going to turn our attention Back to Iowa after recording this podcast. Thank you for listening and for the download for Air Fit. I'm John Manuel. So long, everybody.
0: Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com